Man, it feels weird when there's only two claps. I know. It's lonely. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, a podcast about the games with stories we make. Wait, let me redo this. Wow. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast, a podcast about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table. And it's another B-Team takeover. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Front Hill. Front Hill. Front Hill, Logan. Wait, who? Yeah, that's Greg. That's Logan. Hey. Will is out converting the masses through Magic the Gathering, I think. So Yeah, Will has transformed through spells and magic many new comrades to our cause uh, and is doing that right now. So yeah. cannot be with us tonight. Out in the trenches, trenching. It's very important to trench. It is. Get that <laughs> blue, white, I don't know magic. Well, there are definitely colors in the game, and two of them are blue and white. So you, you nailed it. Woo! All right. Well, yeah, uh, this is a, a game, a podcast. This is a, this is a game podcast. It's a podcast and a game. If you can figure out the game by the end of the podcast, you win. It's an ARG. There's a, <laughs> an amazing prize. It's it, been it's been going all this time. It's a long time. It can you imagine gone. if somebody actually announced an ARG through like some subtlety? Wink. Wink. <laughs> at, that the prize would be given at Gen Con. Wink. Wink. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. That's not true. Please don't. Just don't. Just don't do that. Don't no. look for ARG clues in this in this podcast. They're not there. Or <sighs> are they? They're not. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt the need to say that too, yeah, I Greg. I, I know. Oh, it's I just can't stop. We're just going to move on. We are. Hey, table talk? Is that what we do? Yeah, we, thing? Can, we can talk about tables. Yeah, let's do it. What have you tabled gamed recently, my friend? I've got two. Okay. One is Dice Throne, uh, per you and Will's recommendation previously. And I got some things to say about Dice Throne. Uh Uh-oh. It's it's okay. (gasps) With three people, it is untenable with six people, which is the first time we played it. One thing I personally cannot forgive a game for is to have everyone except for whose turn it is do nothing and be completely bored. And with six people, you have you're waiting like thirty minutes between turns. And well, okay, yeah, six new people, yes, yeah, people who played before, <laughs> nah, that game flies. Well, even still, I like with three people. The fact that I couldn't actually target is like meh. Well, so you can tar- like you can play rules where it's not random. You can decide that if your group is fine with targeting people, you can call that out. The reason why most of my groups like it is because a lot of bitterness gets filtered in and people will gang up on people, which is never fun. So the randomness takes that level of conflict out of the game. You can certainly put it back in. I, I recognize that that's like that's a balm for an issue that would be really bad, but my group doesn't have that. Like we we just aren't. I don't know. There's not many hurt feelings at the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're lucky because it happens 
90% everywhere else. <laughs> I know. I recognize that I'm lucky to have a gaming group that doesn't have big feelings. That's why when you marked it as an accolade, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Like, I yeah. cannot tell you how many people, like, get super upset. Like, and this is not, like, an isolated, oh, it's just with this group of people. It's multiple people who get super salty, super mm. quick. You know, we've talked about sandbaggers, people who deliberately try to destroy a game. Mm-hmm. That happens on a regular basis. And when you can target somebody that way, it like ensures that sandbaggers have a lot of power to sandbag mm. a game. And so having the randomness there eliminates the sandbagger problem, which I think is very helpful. I would eliminate the sandbagger. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at that point, you're rewarding them by getting rid of them early. Like, what? No, like, no, no. I'm saying great- don't. I'm saying in real life, don't invite that person to game night. <laughs> I know it's not for everybody, but even with the three player game, the fact that it was just random targeting meant that one person had like 30 something life and everybody and the other two, like we just were like, okay, well, this is a sure thing. That person's going to win. There's nothing we can do about it really. And yep, it was just a, just a matter of time. We just had to play for another hour until it happened. I've been in that situation where a person had a lot of health. It's been me who's had a lot of health and I ended up losing the game because <laughs> it can turn real fast as people get upgraded abilities and start hitting more damage like that lead doesn't last depending mm-hmm. like it depends on the game like it can it can happen very fast where a person is just well, out. again it's random targeting so i totally recognize it could have but we not only did we have to have powerful turns we had to have the powerful turns randomly select the person who was in the lead <laughs> right but i mean there's also i mean depending on the characters that you play entire turns where you just end up healing yourself like there's a lot of yeah. elements to the game that make every time you play it's just vastly different yeah i mean it's it's well designed i i just don't think it's for me or my play group that's my main thing and i'm glad it works for y'all it for me it, it didn't work as good yeah um my other game that i'm bringing to the table to talk about is Cryptid, which I love. I love Cryptid. It's so good. Greg, have you played Cryptid? I don't even know what it is. So you're going to have to do a pitch. All right. What am, who, what am I? You're Bigfoot. <laughs> okay. Uh, ding me, Che Guevara. Um, uh, hi. Uh, just, I am a blurry monster, and that's just, I don't photograph well. That's just me. That's one of my powers as a monster. Just wanted to clear that up. I know there's a lot of confusion. Anyway, uh, this is a game called Cryptid where you're going to try and find me or one of my cousins like Loch Ness or uh, Yeti. That's definitely like my brother. Anyway, the way you do that is kind of like the same mechanics to Clue. Everybody has one piece of information about where I'm at on the board on the hexagonal grid. And all together you could figure out where I am. But you have to play it close to the vest by asking yes or no questions to everybody figuring out where on the grid I can't be so then you can eventually find where I am. If you're the first person to ask, is the creature right here and nobody can tell you no, then you are the winner and you found me, but I'll probably just beat you up because I'm very strong. (laughs) Okay, does somebody play the Bigfoot? No, nobody plays the Bigfoot. I'm like, oh god, that that poor person playing the Bigfoot is like... 
<laughs> no, yeah, there's there's no one playing the cryptid. It's uh, and also the the cryptid cannot beat you after you find them. It's it's just the object of the game is to find the habitat where the cryptid is. Gotcha. And it is like I'm saying hexagonal grid. There's five different kinds of terrain like mountains and forest. There's three different kinds of buildings and two different colors of buildings. And then there are animal burrows, which are like bears and jaguars. Your rule that you have might be the habitat has to be within two of a structure. So there are like three different kinds of structures on the grid. And all the rules are like it has to be within one of a mountain. It has to be within three of a blue structure. Hmm. Uh, And everybody has just one of those rules. All the cards are set up so that there's only one space that follows everyone's rules. So basically, on your turn, since you only have one piece of information, you put down your little pawn like, hey, Greg, can it be here? And if it could be there, then you put down a circle, your circle token. And if it can't be there, you put down your square token. Gradually, the board fills up with a bunch of squares and circles. Yeah, it's a it's a very elegant game. And like I'm saying, it's like Clue, but like a fixed version of Clue because there's no like movement or anything. You just have information that you're trying to deduce. Hmm. It's good. Cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. What have you been playing, Greg? I have really only been playing a lot of role-playing games. Ooh. A lot of D&D, of course. Mm-hmm. We're at the end of one campaign where we, for, we started at level one and now we're level 20. Whoa, that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's the whole thing. We've been doing it for three and a half years. Jeez. So I went to kind of the north here and I played, and I don't think I talked about this on this podcast, but I played an interesting game called Girl Underground. Oh, okay. What is that? It is based on the ideas of Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, Labyrinth, where hmm. a girl is lost in a situation. Everybody plays the companions that the girl finds. Oh, that's neat. But also... Everybody plays the girl. Huh. So the girl is passed around the table. That's weird. It's bad phrasing. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) So everybody has a turn to inhabit the girl. And the way the girl character works is vastly different. Because at the beginning of the game, everybody sort of creates the girl and what her situation is. Her name, what her family is lacking, what she's lacking. And then you set up a series of laws that the girl has to follow to be what's considered a polite member of society. So the one I played in, like the rules were a girl must never talk back to her elders. A girl must never lie. A girl must never get dirty. A girl has no name. Uh, Well, she had a name. Her name was Penny. (laughs) But, the way the girl character works is normally you just have a move that you get 2d6 and then you roll that dice. The way the girl gets dice is the player who's inhabiting the girl picks one of the rules that she's pushing back against. Mm -hmm. If you have to crawl through a tunnel, you would go, okay, I'm pushing back against the rule that a girl must never get dirty. And then you roll And if you succeed on that and your companions can help you, then that rule gets flipped over and you write 
her new belief. Beliefs can be pulled in to give you plus one, plus twos to your role. So like on the next thing you're doing, she now believes that, you know, sometimes you have to get dirty to get things done. And so the interesting thing that happens at the table is you slowly develop this girl's strong beliefs as she pushes against the rules of society while she's going through this journey. And so everybody has a chance to push against the beliefs, to push against the rules, create new beliefs. And so you're developing this individual that's fighting the system whilst playing the supporting characters that are helping the table come up with the personality of what the transformation of the girl from when she starts in the impossible situation to where she ends. That's cool. It's a very interesting dynamic. The only thing that I found it hard to do is that when you got past the girl, it was hard to sort of keep the character in line with everybody else. And so it was a little bit hard for me to release that idea that she can change wildly. The situation will really dictate a lot of who she is. And then as well as you have your strong character, the one that you are playing throughout the rest of the game, there's a lot of give and take of the game. Also, it's clearly like a one-shot thing because, you know, you play one or two sessions and you've sort of told the story of the girl. Yeah. But it's an interesting tool, I think, to sort of explore rules of society and what that does to people and mechanically there's a way to say here are the structures that these people face and then in game sort of explore what breaking those rules are and creating beliefs for adults it's sort of interesting to sort of have it that but also if you're playing with teenagers and stuff it's interesting because the group that i played with was a mixture of adults and teens and seeing how the teens were interacting with those rules and how still very personal those rules were to them and how powerful it was for them to sort of decide how to change those rules and how that was affecting them. It was a very interesting dynamic. So I think it's a fascinating game for like schools, for playing with your family that sort of explores how kids see world rules and how they can make beliefs. And that sort of got this nice fantastical exploration that still really captures like Wizard of Oz and Labyrinth and all of those things. It, it's it's That's fascinating. Cool. It just ended on Kickstarter. I've never really thought of that as a genre. Right. But you're exactly right. Like Labyrinth, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland are all sort of the same setup. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was very interesting. I liked it quite a bit. Well, another RPG that we've been playing. <laughs> that we played, yes. We played and it's out on our podcast. This is not our other podcast. We haven't, we don't yet own this one. Not yet. We're getting there. But on our other podcast, Very Random Encounters, <laughs> on our podcast, Very Random Encounters, we played Mothership. We did. And I know that the music just kicked in when we said that. So I do want to immediately shout out Anthony Birch. That. That's his name, right? Daniel, Daniel Birch. I'm sorry. Daniel Birch. Yes. Daniel Birch does the music that you hear every time Mothership is talked about on this podcast, but I used 20 songs by Anthony wow. Birch or Daniel yeah. Birch. God, I keep saying Anthony Birch. Daniel Birch. I used 20 songs by Daniel Birch to create the soundtrack, and it was a real good spooky motif. Wouldn't you agree, Greg? 
I would agree. Absolutely agree. Yes. So I wanted us to talk about our experience with that because Mothership is Sean McCoy's precious baby. It is his precious <laughs> baby. And it does the job that it sets out to do very well. It is a horror, sci-fi horror RPG. And yeah. if you've ever dealt with sci-fi horror and basically the hopelessness that comes with sci-fi horror, Mothership's got your back. I'm of two minds here because, one, I hate that you suffered, but also, you said the the game gave you nightmares, right? Yeah, but that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that you went through pain, but also, what a wonderful accolade for a horror (laughs) thing. Yes, it is able to capture the horror feel very vividly. Yes. For me, just the fact that Mothership exists sort of gave me permission to like let those wheels turn in my head because I'm a huge fan of horror media, just all of it. The culmination of our adventure is my fear of the future. Like I think about it a lot. What I put y'all through. (laughs) Hmm. So that's something about me. But exploring your fears is exactly what horror is best suited to. And I felt really good about that. So I had yeah. this idea in my head. And then I want—I was like thinking I was going to have it an actual play on this feed or something. I was trying to figure out what group I could do. But then I, I was like, wait a second. I mean, I already have an RPG show and I can randomize a lot of things. For example the initial plans were like very specifically there cannot be an Android in this because of X, Y, and Z. And then I was like, well, I got to let the randomizer do what the randomizer is going to do. And so (laughs) and it did. And it did. There are some cool things about an Android. You know, you can never trust an Android in a sci-fi horror movie. (laughs) It's no, it's no different in, in this game. (laughs) No, it is not. You no. (laughs) <laughs> it's sort of, I feel sort of bad for androids. I mean... Right, yeah. They're not bad. They're just programmed that way. They're not even programmed bad a lot of the times. Just people are people are bad. People are bad. You're right. People are bad, and then people programmed the robots, so... Moment of silence for uh, robots. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We played Mothership a full. Um, we well, what we do is our standard seasons are longer format games, and this Mothership episode was it is grand total about two and a half hours. Yeah, it was about two and a half hours, and it was released in three episodes. But they're all yep. out in our feed yep. on Very Random Encounters now, so you can go check that out. I think it turned out really good. It was very good. It was a lot of fun to play. Mm-hmm. You sort of have to shift your mindset. When you're playing a horror game yeah. versus when you're playing a heroic game. Because the rules and the game system very much are against you from the minute yeah. you created your character. It captures the downward spiral and chaos that happens in horror very well. It's built around the idea that 
your best is just not gonna be good enough. <laughs> it's just nah. There's a yeah. giant thing gonna eat your head. Right. Yeah, the odds are very against you, and you're just a normal human, as opposed to someone who was born with powers or whatever. You're right. Just, just a person. Or an android. But or even an android. the androids are like are not nah. They are built with spongy bodies still. Yep. For <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Um, Mothership captures the feeling great, and it's a great one or two shot game. Mm -hmm. I think making a long campaign of Mothership is a lot like making a long campaign of Gamma World. You and your players are going to explore the world and what's wrong with it with the understanding that your players are probably going to be grabbing new characters every once in a while (laughs) because... Most are not going to make it through. And so it's a very different game that I think fills a market that desperately needs good one shot games. Like, there's not a lot, of, like, a lot of things are built to be epis- very long form episodic. Right. And this is really conducive to, hey, jump in, make some characters all die horribly and and laugh and then have nightmares about them later if you're me. (laughs) Yeah, I think to me, that's why Mothership is so successful because it's because as soon as you read the title and understand what the game is, your your brain immediately starts going like, oh, that, oh, wow. And you get to do the thing, which is, I mean, I know, Greg, you don't because you don't go to horror movies, but... I do not. But you, in the course of the of any of those movies you're sitting there thinking what would i do why i like oh that that decision is stupid i would have done it like this and then so now you're in the situation where you can actually make the decisions i theoretically none of them are going to be stupid because you're going to make them and you're going to do them all right right <laughs> that's what happens although sometimes you deliberately make stupid decisions cuz you're honoring the source material right yeah <laughs> Okay, let's go down to that planet full of aliens and just explore. <laughs> <laughs> let's not set anything down first. Hey, sometimes yeah, there's a lot of money involved and uh, you got to do it pretty quick. Well, yeah. I mean, there's greed. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's our podcast, Very Random Encounters. And just check that out. Mothership. Yeah, we played it. Mothership. Mothership is a lot of fun. It's super fun. I will say, go in knowing that the expectation is you're probably not going to survive. I only have a couple of quibbles with the rules, but they're very minor. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to my favorite Marvel superheroes game, which is (laughs) you want to roll high. This is when you want to roll low. The only thing that felt really weird, and this is like my one criticism, is that when we were looking at combat, if both people succeeded... It's whoever got the higher role without going over, which felt weird in the fact that in every other situation, you're looking for the lowest number possible, mm-hmm. except for that one situation where it's reversed. And it just felt like it'd be more intuitive to me to say, compare roles and whoever got the lowest, lowest wins that one because everything else is going below the number except for that one time and we had a we struggled with that rule the entire time like combat <laughs> we're like what why is it different this time why <laughs> i got a one i did really good but that was not good in this situation and that's like my only real sort of complaint about 
the rules. Yeah, I mean, that seems very easy to house rule. And yeah, and you can house rule that away. I also like that doubles was very good or bad. Good or bad. But kudos to Sean. Good job. Yay, Sean. I'm really proud of what we did. I am too. Uh, Pound of Flesh, the Kickstarter was still live when I had finished like being prepared for this. But then by the time we got it recorded, I was like, oh, no, I have two days before the Kickstarter is <laughs> over to edit all this. I don't think I can do this. It's not going to happen. No. But now here we are. And you, if you're still thinking about Mothership, you can check out an actual play of it on our podcast. Again, very random yeah. encounters. <laughs> very random encounters. Very random encounters. Very. Okay, we're shilling for our show. Should we also show for the Game Crafter? Sponsors! Yay! Thank you for sponsoring us! Send us free stuff or money! And we'll talk about your stuff! But only if we like it! <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I haven't used Game Crafter, but my friend Andrew in Japan made his full game. It's a lot in Japanese, so... He's writing it in Japanese and then translating it to us. But it's like a cells, fighting germs in the body, card collecting, matching game. And he did all the prototypes on Game Crafter. And so, like, we could see them and look at them. And he got, like, immediate feedback and could get it out to people to play test immediately. So it was, like, super Mm -hmm. handy. Just being able to like him say this is what I this is what I want it to look like and mocked up in us. Like having that immediate visual is so cool kudos to them for making a cool thing. Something I've been looking into doing, which is on Game Crafter. It's another thing that's sort of like Mothership in that I saw that it existed and I immediately was like, oh, what, how can I use this? They have a really complex card thing. Like, you, Not only can you make cards designed however you want and put them on the front and back and have all kinds of varieties, but you can uh, put them in booster packs that are then in booster boxes and you can control the randomness. Like you can have rare cards and ultra rare cards or whatever rarity you want to label them as. And now all I want to do is make trading cards. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're getting into the devil's bargain at that point. I mean, we can make our uh, Tuesday night game revolution (laughs) card game that we've been talking about to spread our word out to the masses. Trading cards for, very random encounters, of course, all the characters and stuff. But well, yeah, but we could include as a special ultra rare the secret code that will Greg, allow you're not you supposed into to reveal our... the ARG code. Yes, <laughs> oh, <dang> it. <laughs> it's going to be too no! easy now. Scrap all that. You'll have to read the fine print <laughs> of all of the cards. For the first, third, and eighth word, it will spell out something. I won't tell you what. <laughs> You're going to have to do a giant puzzle. And at the end, it just says Frontal Comrade. <laughs> Frontal Comrades. Again, to be clear, there is no ARG. Do not look for it. You are going to waste your time. There is no ARG. Oh, God. Wink. <laughs> Damn oh, it. Now we're going to have to create an ARG. <laughs> Dang it. Well, Greg... I think we made a podcast. Yes, I think we did. Well, how much of it will yeah. be edited out? It could be a two-minute podcast. <laughs> I'm sure all of my mistakes are going to be right in there. So shout out to Anthony Birch, the creator of World Championship Rose Roulette, and Daniel Birch, the creator of all the music that I use for Mothership, yep. whose names that I confused many times. It happens. <laughs> names are hard, y'all. Let's wrap this baby up. All right. Where can people find 
you and me by extension. Well, they can find both of us easily on Twitter. I'm at White Wing. And I'm at Logan Jenkins. And you can find our main podcast, Very Random Encounters, at VeryCast. <laughs> this show's Twitter handle is PlayTKG. And you can send any questions, comments, or, you know, like some story submissions that you can then become a comrade to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Mm-hmm. I think this episode is... Finished. Mortal Kombat finish him. Yeah, he did it. Which a game I never played because it was also gross and spooky and I didn't All like bloody it. Bloody and stuff. Game, did yeah, it gave me nightmares. Oh, you, a lot of stuff gave you nightmares. Yeah, I don't handle gory things very well. Sorry, bud.